0: You're listening to the Brand Builders Podcast with your hosts, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. Welcome to another episode of the award-winning Brand Builders Podcast powered by the Dunstan Group. My name is Brian Young, and we are here with the president of the Dunstan Group, Scott Dunstan. And we're here with uh, Jamie Boyter from the Bolt Group, or Bolt for short. Now, we talk to a lot of businesses here on the, uh, on the Brand Builders Podcast, and we love it. But this next one is like going out to play, almost like going out on the playground as a kid. Uh, Jamie from Bolt is a specialist in building brands. And who's better not to have on the Brand Builders Podcast than somebody that builds brands? And what I mean by building brands, Bolt works with clients from Lowe's, RYOBI, Chick-fil-A, Coca-Cola, Speedo, you know, massive global brands. And we're so excited to uh, talk shop. Learn a little bit more about what the Bolt Group does specifically. How do they support those brands? How do they help those brands? And really just learn, how did this organization start? What are they doing now? And what are they going to do in the future? So thank you, Jamie, so much for joining us on the Brand Builders Podcast.
1: Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Scott. Appreciate it. Thank you, Jamie. Great intro, Brian. And man, you mentioned some pretty well-known names uh, that you've had the pleasure of working for. Uh, How'd you get in this line of work? In well the first place uh, well me personally it was uh, it was kind of stumbling around a little bit i uh, you know i thought I'd, uh, i when i first got to college it was like you know what are you going to do and <laughs> and and i thought i I'd, I'd, I'd been creative when i was a kid and so i thought okay architecture is kind of the direction and um and i took an introduction to graphic design course uh while i was uh while i was uh, in the school of architecture and and fell in love with it, fell in love with the idea of being able to communicate visually and verbally, Um, really got enthralled in that, felt like a direction for me, Um, uh, my instructor was sort of a mentor, and um, he told me I need to go to design school, and uh, I was like, no, no, I can figure it out, we can do this whole thing, and and he said, like, you know, I'm going to make this easy for you, I'm retiring, and uh, you need to get to design school, so, Um, so yeah, I transferred out, um, uh, from Clemson and I ended up at East Carolina and I got my BFA there. Oh, there
0: we go. Oh, we got two pirates. Yes, sir. Well, I'll just leave the room while you two uh, talk about this. (laughs) Yeah. I always,
1: I always say I bleed orange, but I've got a heart like a pirate. There we go. Yeah. (laughs) Purple and gold, baby. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. No, yes, that's, sir. That's okay. That's love, okay. love it when another we're, we're pirates actually, in we're room. actually working with ECU right now. where are uh, their pirate uh, entrepreneur challenge that they do with their students. So I'm working with the guys at the Miller School of Entrepreneurship, and um, we're helping the students kind of go through that competition uh, from Very making cool. sure they're teed up, making sure that their idea, their concept is ready for presentation from a brand perspective as well as understanding the product and how to communicate that. So. That is awesome. Heck I,
0: yeah. I, I, I thought you guys were just going to continue to talk about ECU, so oh, I was sorry. just over here. <laughs> we, no, we can, we can no, no, no. but
1: we're here to talk about Jamie Yeah, and for Bolt, sure. And, so.
0: you know, I got the opportunity to meet Jamie, and I got to go check out the Bolt group. And what an amazing group of people that you guys have uh, have been able to to really bring together from... You know, engineers, not only electrical engineers, mechanical engineers, industrial engineers, all the way into the graphic side of things, the sales side of things, the video. You guys literally have like everybody that's there. You even have a 3D shop where you actually are printing products. So when I talk about building brands, this isn't somebody that's just jumping in, trying to do a little bit of marketing here or there. You literally helped develop these brands. And one that we talked about, which was really neat, was the entire Cobalt line at Lowe's. Yeah. Um, and the story that you had, which I want you to share real quick about how you got to go and talk to a late night uh, talk show host, who love tools. But that's the kind of thing that I think a lot of people will be interested about is like, how does somebody really help an entire big, huge organization develop an internal line of tools from start to finish? So tell us a little bit about that Lowe's, not only the story, but also how did you get into Lowe's and what was that like?
1: Oh, sure. Well, it, it's been a while now. Uh, the Cobalt brand is uh, probably about 22 years old now, multi-billion dollar brand. Um, originally... Uh, Dale Pond, who was the CMO at Lowe's, we, we were working with Lowe's on some other projects and some other programs. And he came to us kind of with a hypothesis of, um, he, he felt like they could sell, um, high grade mechanics tools at retail. And, um, so put us to the test what we needed to do to find out. So we spent about nine months doing some pretty extensive qualitative, quantitative research to really understand the market, first of all, and what the receptivity of something like this might be. So we talked to professional mechanics who we knew from the start would never buy their products because they buy them from the truck, um, mortgage their house to buy them from the truck. Um, but <laughs> but we also talked to professional non-mechanics, HVAC guys. Um, we talked to Shade Tree Mechanics, those weekend warriors, to really understand. And what we were trying to get from the professional mechanics is, What does a pro-type tool need to be? What does it need to express emotively and otherwise? And so from there, we came back, and it's like, yeah, we've got a direction. We can do this. We feel like we can do this with the right positioning, with the right name, with the right everything. So from there, we went into a full development program, created the name Cobalt, tested that in the marketplace, created the identity for it, Um, all of the pack out, created all the packaging, for which we've got a few patents on the original packaging that we did. Rolled it out uh, nationwide. We actually worked uh, to uh, create the visual design language for the products, the original set of products, um, and worked with the uh, the product manufacturer uh, to get that out to market. Got it out into the marketplace, um, had a pretty good um, shot right at the beginning, and then started to wane a little bit, and they started, really, the merchants started putting it on everything, um, Bob Gefella, who had just come into Lowe's, had recently left Coca-Cola, who we, we had worked with for about four years there. Bob called us up and said, I need you guys to come in and take a look. Um, I think we're about to mess this brand up. And so we took a look at it and helped them, you know, just make sure, got it back in its lane, really, from a communication standpoint, packaging standpoint, and really from a product line extension, what's the logical, believable thing that you can do? What are you gonna put on next? Where does that product go? Because you have to have permission. You have to have permission from the brand, you have to have permission from the consumer of where a product actually, where a brand can go. Um, so based on that, um, he got us back involved and we did some more work and that's when we started helping them sort of expand that out. And we got into motorsports. we got into, we got into um, writing some articles for um, uh, car enthusiast magazines. We actually did a direct mail program and that's how we got to what we're talking about. Um, we sent out a direct mail program all across the country and got a huge response. Come and talk to us. We want to see these tools, that kind of thing. We ended up in L.A. where um, EMAT Peterson is a large publisher for a lot of the hot rod magazines, that sort of thing. Uh, met those guys, put tools out on the table. They all just loved it. We're going to write about this. Can you send us a storage toolbox, that kind of thing. Because we were the first guys to do the blue toolbox, too. so um, While we were there, we had a toolkit, a uh, toolbox. We were just going to drop off in Burbank at the Tonight Show because we knew Joe, John uh, Jay Leno um, was a, a real toolie, real fanatic. He was a mechanic, that kind of thing. So we called uh, his keeper. She said, can I get back to you? And it was like, yeah. A few minutes later, we got a phone call back, and she said, Jay would like for you all to come to the show tonight if you can. It's like, sure. Do you have plans? And it's like, <laughs> uh, no. And it's like, so there we went. So showed up, um, sat in a special section with his other guest kind of thing, did the show after the show, went up on stage, you know, met, met Jay. He looked at the tools. He said, He's really great. You know, he takes and bangs a wrench on the desk and holds it up to his ear like a turn- tuning fork. And he goes, this is a really great tool. You know, it was like there was a confirmation right there of kind of, huh. you know, and, you huh. know, to have have the opportunity to play that part, that's normally not something that I would do. Uh, that would be something that a brand manager would be doing. Uh, but in launching the brand out, at that period in time, Lowe's kind of asked us to sort of stand in and do that. Uh, so from that perspective, brand sort of took off, you know, and it was it was on its way at that point. Wow. What yeah. a cool story, man. It Thank was, you for sharing that. Yeah, we've there's we've got a picture in the office of me with Jay Leonard, so it's Ah. Yeah, that's a pinnacle it. for sure. Oh yeah, well, yeah. yeah, and his car collection's unreal. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it's unbelievable. <There laughs> Did was you some, get to see that? No, uh uh-uh, uh yeah. no. It was it was one and done kind of thing. But uh but yeah, I mean it, he he gets all kinds of credit all the time for, you know, having cars featured in movies and stuff like that on sure. his collections. Yeah. So are you still involved with the brand? Uh, no, not directly. Yeah. We, uh, typically, uh, the way we do, wh- whether it's on the, uh, product design or service design or brand design is we'll go in with, uh, with a client on a program. We'll work through that program. Sometimes it's a corporate identity program or something like that. We'll work through it. It might be 18 months, might be two years, but eventually we work ourselves out of a job. I mean, yeah. that's really what we're supposed to do. Um, uh, so we get them, we we do the framework we take them through help build the brand reposition it create it for the very first time if we need to need to help them develop their product line if that's what we're doing or help them create a new service um or um adjust a service uh that uh, you t- to make it better make it function better make it more receptive from a consumer perspective or an employee perspective and then at that point we kind of hand it over mm-hmm. back out but very often what'll happen is we'll get asked to come back in, you know, or they'll be the next thing that we, you know, uh come back in. So like, you know, Phillips Van Husen is a good example. Uh PVH in New York, we've worked with them off and on since the mid-90s, and um which Speedo is one of their brands, Van Husen, Izod, those kinds of guys. And at one point we were agency of record with them. Um, and then it was really kind of the realization we need to not be that. We need to work ourselves out of that. You guys need to staff up. You need to create that marketing department and we'll be on call. We'll stand by. If you need us, we can come in. We know your brands. We know your consumer. We can, we can work from that perspective. So yeah. What's your, what's your most fun and most well liked project that you've been involved with? Would it be
0: Cobalt? Or is that not fair to answer because yeah. you don't want to be biased? I well, understand. they're like your kids, yeah. you know, so they're, they're all. <laughs> they all have their favorite they're blocks, all like right? They're
1: all like your children. Each one is a, is a favorite one for a different particular reason. Um, Cobalt was a lot of fun, um, I would say. Uh, but we've done some work with smaller clients that, um, you know, startups um, that have been just a whole lot of fun just in helping bring that to life, breathe life into something that didn't exist before. And our favorite projects are those where, um, we're working all the way through from a design standpoint, where product innovation is happening. We're helping them develop their product line. We're helping them understand what their brand needs to be. And then we're helping them, um, find the, the attributes, the pillars, the compelling truths of that brand in order to get them to market. Um, and then at that point, we kind of step away. We get, we get to, we get to, um, marketing and PR and advertising in that area, that's kind of water's edge for us. And if we've been asked to do some of that from time to time, you know, we'll bring in partners, we'll bring in folks uh, that can align with us and kind of then extend that out mm-hmm. and start to work on that. But that's that's really where we're about the the design, innovation, experience piece in, in creating the thing.
0: So we have a lot of, uh, of people out there now in the day and age, it's all about company culture, right? Your company culture really creates... Or helps create a brand, or elevate a brand, or ruin a brand. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about the culture at Bolt, uh, but also, you know, how closely you dissect a company's culture before you work with them, and ultimately, are there some opportunities that you have, and you just say, you know, this isn't a good fit for both teams?
1: Uh, yeah. Well, uh, yes, to all of those. I mean, for, first from from uh, Bolt Group's perspective. We're, we're real family oriented. We've been together. Um, Monty Montague, who is one of my partners and one of the founders of Bulk Group. Monty's been there since the, you know, almost the very first day. Um, Ed Holm, who's also one of my partners in, in charge of business development. Ed's been there the least of the three of us, and he's been there like 26 years. Wow. You know, so there's this family component, I think, that's sort of built in. Um, but, uh, and so from a culture standpoint, that's really what we look for. Anytime we're bringing talent in, Monty and I are pretty good at seeing talent. You know, you you can, you understand if somebody can do their job in five minutes. (laughs) What we really look for is how do they think? Where have they been? You know, what have they experienced in their young lives? You know, what sort of traveling have they done? Where have they gone? What sort of risks have they taken? in terms of kind of, you know, just what they're doing, that kind of thing. And what we've really found almost to a person is that is that the the folks that we have are the ones that have that similar kind of DNA of where they want to go and what they want to do. Um, they come in as professionals, almost every one of them. Um, they know how to do their job uh, for the most part. Some are really young, and we we take them through a process. But it's really how do they think how do we take them to the next level how are they going to engage with our clients how are they going to create that relationship because at the end of the day you know creative is one thing but relationships are another mm-hmm. and to be um in charlotte for next year will be 35 years um it requires relationships so from that perspective that's our foundational knowledge of culture how we use that then uh, with our clients is really that same thing. Um, we really, we really go from the brand we take, we consider the brand intrinsic to existence. Um, and so we start there. So we start with purpose, uh, with a company, uh, we make sure we d- define that purpose in a holistic manner. We work with them to understand the pillars of their brand, help define those pillars or, what we call pillars, a lot of them call it compelling truths or values. Um, and then the positioning, building the story around that. It, it, we create what we call this foundation, which is a direction that is going to help motivate and understand simultaneously what that internal culture is. And when we think about a brand, we think about it holistically. We think about the product. We think about the service. We think about all the pieces of it. It has to start inside. And it's a reflection of that culture. So um, how we get to that is really important. We kind of call it our brand ecosystem. And we talk about when we're working on um, employee experience, you know, we talk about with our clients that the employee experience has to be just as important as the customer experience you hear a lot about customer experience now customer journey all this well we do the same thing for employer brand it's how do you, how does how does that portray itself internally what's the res, mutual respect what's the what's the understanding that goes on how is that then portrayed through your brand as a reflection of that behavior which affects culture in a positive way so when you get to outfacing communications with your multiple constituents outside your customers your consumers your competition um, how that becomes an intelligent conversation as opposed to spinning up some sort of marketing. Uh, it really, so, so from that perspective, it's an inside out game for us about how we try to create that. And then it's a reflection of that culture. Um, and it requires, it requires a lot of leadership at the top in order for that to, to happen. And then, um, it requires, everyone inside the organization owning the brand it can't just be owned by the marketing department or the sales department it's got to be anointed in the c-suite but then it has to be owned by every single employee that's there and most employees don't understand their direct contribution to the brand and the value of the brand and what we try to do is help them understand that the job they're doing whether it's answering the phone or whether it's legal counsel and how they're talking to someone across the table, it's reflective on that brand. Mm-hmm.
0: So. so I have a, qu- a question. Um, I think a lot of people, a lot of companies, as they get bigger, you need to diversify the people that you have in your, in your organization, right? Sure. Um, whether it's an engineer or someone that's in the creative space from a graphics side or somebody that's more in the sales aspect, whatever it is. What would be your best advice for a company that's growing and how do you find people that have that similar culture that all want to own that brand? Because I think that's the biggest challenge, especially specifically in the job market that we have. It it seems like it would be very difficult to have, you know, an engineer on one side of the table and this, you know, outgoing, you know, extroverted sales guy on this side of the table. But yet we're all at the same culture. We're all pushing to the same brand and we're all owning that. What would be your advice for an organization or what have you guys done from that perspective?
1: (laughs) Well, get them together. Yeah. Get them in the same room. Don't let them separate. Um, When we first started working, um, you know, the company started primarily as an industrial design uh, firm and product development firm. And very early on, Monty was even seeing that, you know, you can create a world-class product, but if you don't have, if it's not surrounded by a brand that has meaning and value, um, it's got a life cycle that's going to be shorter than it should be. Conversely, if you've got an energetic disruptive brand but the product that you've got is crap um that thing it's not going to last forever you're going to sell. you're going to sell one of you're going to sell one of something to everybody but you're not going to sell two to them because they're going to know what they got so from very early on integration was paramount for us we would go to meetings and we would you know, it would be a, it'd be a product design launch or something like that. And so we're talking to engineers and product developers and project managers and stuff like that. And we're around the table talking about, okay, where are we going go to go developing the design criteria, um, to create this visual brand language? Um, where are your marketing guys? Let's, we need to talk. And it's, a, which one of you is Mark? It's like, well, they're not here. Huh. Well, we're out are in another building. We don't talk to them. And. Conversely, you're trying to push a brand out into the ethos and into the ether. And they're not even doing it internally. They're not even doing it internally. So for us, it really is. It's, it's the, it's a partnership, you know, and it does require everybody. So, um, we believe that, you know, a product and brand are two sides of the same coin and the service, whether it's a product or whether it's a service. Depending on the organization, but it's so important that these are linked together, and that's the reason we've, you know, we've been practicing kind of a, a design-driven thinking and implementation process since before design thinking was thought to be, you know, ideo. Kind of um, they they cornered the market on that in terms of uh, marketing and understanding, but it's really something that we've all done from school of the way we think and how we think and what's the connective tissue. And what do we have to go through? How do we gain insights? How do we develop empathy? How do we then define and how do we go through and prototype and tear it down and reprototype it and get it to the place where it's an actual solution that meets the common um, denominator for the marketplace? Or it specifically is targeted for one thing and it operates that way. Um, without that, you're just going to end up with You know, something that's probably short lived and not much value.
0: So there's um, a marketing, uh, what I would call marketing genius out there called Blair Premis, who works for Ortho Carolina. And he talked about this on the podcast and I've had multiple conversations with me. And it's fascinating that an organization that big has taken that approach where they have they now have HR and marketing combined. Yeah. Right. So as we try to market our business externally, we're also marketing our business internally. And their whole message is if we can create a better Charlotte and that's, you know, marketing and 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 teaming up with great organizations, whether it's a 5k, whether it's a cancer organization, whatever it is. Uh, and then we get our internal folks to be excited and energetic about that as well. Everybody wins. Right. So it's interesting that you say that because I think that's a big challenge for a lot of people. And it's interesting coming into 2020, how we're going to get everybody around that table. So this kind of kind of goes into the next question, but um, I would be really like, you've lived in the era where there was no internet, right? And you're, you're marketing brands, like you said, snail mail, um, yeah. to now social media and the internet and, and that world is, is huge, right? How has that changed or pivoted maybe your approach to business and what role does social media play when you are starting to develop these brands or help them develop these brands, both internally and externally?
1: Oh, sure. Well, um, you know, digital has become ubiquitous in our life. And really what what we're seeing now is the next step where it's the bridging between the digital and the physical. That's happening every day um, in all sorts of organizations. That's the reason that you have um, CIOs in places that you didn't used to or CTOs in organizations you didn't used to. It's the reason that you may have a CMO who... Um, may not have a formal marketing background who may be coming from somewhere else. Take IBM, for example. You know, great company a few years ago made a big transition in their positioning. Very much like, um, I guess what the guys over at Ortho were trying to do only, you know, they, they kind of, they have a design principle in every department of their company. So they, just like they have a design principle in HR. Because they have real-life problems. They have real-life issues in a company the size of IBM. 401ks, onboarding, getting people into the organization. You know, how do I sign up for my insurance every year? You guys know, I know, we run a small company. That's a bear. That's really tough to handle. Well, they looked at it from from a design perspective and said, okay, how can we alleviate the pain and consternation on our employees to make it a more pleasant experience. What's the outcome of that? What could you imagine the outcome might be? Oh, we've got happier employees. <laughs> we've got more efficient employees, more productive employees. Yeah, well, will think about that for a minute. You know, so if you, from that perspective, um, as everything's changing from a social media perspective and how that communicates, it's a very big part of everything that we do. Um, we'll develop a social media strategy as we're going through in the early days of a process it's part of that rollout strategy because how are we going to socialize what it is that we're doing what's the best way for us to do it and understanding exactly who our constituents are uh, or our clients constituents in today's marketplace um it's not one consumer you know and it's not one it's not made for one consumer it, one size doesn't fit all anymore you have to be really specific in terms of what you're understanding and how you're communicating. And your message is going to be different really depending on who that audience is. That's where, you know, creating these compelling truths or these pillars is really important in the early stages because you can, those can be weighted differently depending on who you're communicating with. But at the end of the day, it all has to ladder back up to you know this position and this purpose of why you exist and so being able to communicate all of that with truth and transparency and authenticity which is paramount and then being able to do it simply and with clarity um that's those are table stakes today you have to be able to do that in order to be successful in the marketplace but the convergence is continuing to happen uh, it, even in our industry you know what is design going to be like in 2025 um uh you know uh, Meredith Davis at NC State has done some terrific unbelievably good work with uh, AIGA in um in unpacking that you know from the perspective in IDSA which is another one of our uh memberships um we're all working to truly really try to understand what the future of design is going to be as it relates to the digital the physical all of the manifestation in which it can happen from brand to product to service and then how can we be of the greatest support to our constituents to our client base you know so it's it's constantly moving
0: hmm. when you wow. talk about the compelling truths or or pillars like you call it i almost feel like you're a counselor to the brand right <laughs> you know you're coming in um and you're helping them really understand who they are because I personally believe in the world of social media now and just the race. It's, it's that rat race. Everybody, they're not trying to necessarily be unique or be authentic or really believe who they are from a brand. They're just trying to be like, Oh, I got to get a lot of likes and Instagram is not taking that off tomorrow, which I'm actually a huge fan of. Uh, but the reality of it is, um, I think if people stayed in their lane, like you said, with the brand, stay true to who they are, more people will realize who that business is, how authentic they are. And appreciate them and, and attract that type of customer. Yeah. So when you walk into a, a conversation, we say this all the time. I'll have a conversation and say, you know, why do you want to put your logo on that product? Oh, I, I need something to give away. I'm like, terrible answer. Right. You know, it's, it, we have to create an experience. We have to create a, a sense of emotion that ties that in. What's the objective of why we're doing this? Uh, and so I'm just curious, how many people do you walk in and and they have no idea what their compelling truths are or what their pillars are, and how hard is that to establish for a business to get everybody on board and not only outline what they are, but actually implement it and actually see the results in the in and you know down the road.
1: Yeah, more than you would think. Yeah. Um, less than it used to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but we're we're still working. We you know we call all the work that we do. There's a portion of what we do is stewardship um, and helping to steward the brand. And then coaching. There's a lot of coaching that goes on. But yeah, we'll come into an organization who, uh, it's an M&A situation. Uh, they've just, um, they've just acquired another company and it's time for them to do an upfit. And so in a situation like that, very often you've got multiple things at play there. You've got, number one, you've got the cultural issue of two entities kind of coming together. What's that going to look like, feel like at the end of the day? And then you've got, well, what do we need to do in the marketplace to let everybody know what we've just done? And how does that how does that reflect? Does it reflect in the identity? Do, do we need to update? What are all those kinds of things? And again, it's one of those things. We'll go back to the beginning and say, okay, um, have you got to w let's see your let's see your foundational work. Do you have a vision statement? Well, they might have a vision statement. They might have a mission statement. Um, you know, but then we dig a little bit, we try to get in and really try to understand what do those mean? Do you have a purpose statement? Why do you exist? And then from there, that's when we start to really understand and try to ferret out what's important. What are, you know, what are those values? What are those core values that we then turn into these pillars that are going to be ubiquitous in every touch point going forward? It's the thing that you have to rely on as you when you go back to your brand no brand can exist an entire lifetime without um, having a hiccup without having trouble if you've built your brand on this solid foundation with these pillars and it's authentic and truthful and transparent you can typically make it through you can wade through a mishap something that happens if you've if you built a house of glass, be careful, you know, because any mistake that you make could be your last. It could be critical. You may not be able to recover from something like that. And so we really stress, no matter where you are in the life cycle of your company, um, getting to that place is paramount because that's what will help maintain the trajectory once the legacy of the business has started to wane you know, very often legacy companies, founder companies, they get into this upsurge, this trajectory, and um, they're going and going and going. They don't realize what are the things that are propelling them. One of the things that's propelling them is goodwill. And goodwill is their brand and how that's portrayed and how that works. They begin to get out of the business and you start to see that fall off. Well, then they say, Well, how do we get to the next level? Well, let's operationalize ourselves to the next level. Let's buy more stuff. Let's do more things. What they're forgetting and what's happening is they're losing the perspective of the brand. They're losing the perspective of the culture. And without that, it doesn't matter. You can operationalize yourself to death and that's, and you'll just, now you'll just be a thing. You'll be a commodity out there. You know, so.
0: Not, that is fascinating what a great answer trying to absorb all of this at once I'm going to have to re- listen to this a couple times and continue to take notes it's fascinating you know you talk a lot about brands I, I'm just curious how would you describe your own personal brand what is the, the, the brand of, uh, of Jamie Borger
1: oh shoot <laughs> uh, I don't know I love laughter um, uh, family um, you know a good dog <laughs> amen um, to that yeah. uh, we're, we're fast yeah. friends <laughs> and you're a pirate uh, like, yes. I, like I said I, I bleed orange but I got a heart like a pirate um, you know old Land Rover kind of thing yeah I'm, you know it, it's um, I'm incredibly curious and I think curiosity has been one of the driving forces behind um, what we've done and, and where we've been and it's one of the it's one of the things that we really look for when we're looking to expand our team is we're looking for those same people who are intellectually and otherwise curious, culturally curious, intellectually curious, curious about the next thing. Um, Because that's what we need to depend on in order to move forward, in order to move what we do as um a community, as a culture, and as a business. Um, we have to, we have to be in the moment and we have to consider what's next and not be afraid of what's next, uh, but embrace it and be a part of it and even change it if it's not right. You know, those are the things that, that I think we've
0: had fun doing, you know? So you've been in the business a long time. How many times have the bulk group? Looked in the mirror and said, oh, man, maybe we've gotten away from our pillars or maybe we've, you know, gotten away from who we want to be. And, and obviously you are working with organizations to, to get them to that point. Um, but I'd love to know, I mean, and not necessarily just specific stories of the challenges, but obviously being in a business for 35 years, you're only as good as your, as your worst employee, right? Sure. Um, so tell us about, you know, some of the challenges internally. And then I'd love to see, you know, what the, the future is for the bulk group.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, uh, cobbler's children's shoes. <laughs> you know, it you, you're, you're constantly working on other people's stuff and you forget to work on your own. So it, it happens. You know, it, it, you know, we'll, 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 we'll drift. We'll drift. We've never gotten, we've never gotten out of sorts, but we've also had, um, that's one of the things that we really stress when we're helping other clients is when your, your business goals are constantly going to change they're gonna they're gonna move up and down, and most often it's has nothing to do with you. It's the market dynamic it's something that's happening uh so your business goals need to be adjusted all the time um If you don't have a brand strategy that is agile enough to move with it, you're gonna lose that trajectory you're gonna use that alignment and when you start to lose that alignment, that's when you start to lose that's when the culture starts to fall off that's when You start to lose some of the edge that you want to have. Um, and so, yeah, it happens with all of us and, 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 and just taking a look in the mirror every now and then and, and making sure you're in the right space. We're doing that right now. We're, we're literally going through that right now. We'll, we'll be updating our website in the next, you know, few months. And, um, again, it's to tighten that down as, as we evolve, um, and as markets demand that you go this way or go that way you have to address that because you're an ongoing concern you're a business you're in it to be profitable so you're going to do certain things but you know every now and then you have to kind of look at one another grab hands and kumbaya and say you know what this is who we really are we got to get back to this and let's get back there quick um and with purpose of why we're doing what we're doing um but we've never really had a you know, we've never gone off the rail or fallen off the edge. You know, we've had um, pretty consistent messaging, pretty consistent appreciation uh, for one another uh, as we've gone through the years. Uh, we've disagreed on some things from time to time. But uh, I think that's probably what makes for a good uh, relationship.
0: Good, to be able good to family. Good yeah. family right there. Um, <laughs> yeah. Hey, the ones that love you the most are the ones that tell you the truth, right? Right. If you lie to my face, you don't love me. <laughs>
1: but in terms of the future, kind of where we're going, it, it, I kind of unpacked that a minute ago. As 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 we look at as we look at our staff, you know, from from research and strategy on the front end, all the way through engineering and implementation on the back end, design, uh, you know, ubiquitously throughout uh, the way it is. That's what's happening. So we're we're finding our 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 designers. Are maturing into strategists and researchers and, um, and leaning more into the engineering, whether it's, um, uh, hardware or software. Uh, engineers the same way. Uh, engineers have a great affinity for design and are moving back closer to the center with us, but then they're also developing relationships with manufacturers and those types of things to get product to market. Um, one of our recent, um, engineer hires is, Came from GM. Uh, you know, so, you know, we're, we're appreciative of that continuity. And he was a design engineer. So he spent most of his time with a bunch of industrial designers as opposed to with mechanical engineers. Um, and it, you can tell by the way we're all together, you know, and that's the thing. We're all, we put everybody in the same mush pit, you know. So we've got, <laughs> we've got engineers sitting next to graphic designers, sitting next to writers, sitting next to art directors. Um, which we think creates that culture, um you know, where there is this appreciation and understanding of what the other guy's doing, and shared ownership in the purpose
0: love that, yeah, you might have answered my last question, but I just want to know and and you can keep this short if you want, but what like what would be your advice for somebody that 's going to start a business now? I think there's more opportunity than ever you know with social media, more opportunity for young people to maybe take a risk, know that your life isn 't just you know 40 hours a week you have to do this because you have to do this you know what i mean um but what would be your advice for somebody that's jumping into the market now and 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 what what would get them to be successful
1: uh yeah it's it's pretty much the same advice i give my kids um uh do what you love and if you don't love it don't do it but you've got to have a certain passion for what it is that you're doing because that's going to get you through the valleys that's going to get, and it's going to keep you level-headed in the crests, you know. So it's it's loving what you do, having an idea of why you're doing it, and start with that purpose. Really try to think about why am I going to do this, and what is this going to mean? Um, you know, it will it will start to solve itself if you kind of look at it from that perspective, and that's that's kind of the. Advice we give these young entrepreneurs out at ECU that have these unbelievably great ideas that they're coming up with, that they're thinking out of the box constantly. And it's like, all right, keep that passion. Now let's put it into a process. Let's put the passion into a process so that you can begin to create a plan that will take you forward. And then you can look back, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs have been incredibly lucky. They've done something one time. It's blown up on them and gone to the moon. And they go, well, this was great. I think I'll do it again. And they had no process. And the second time it didn't work. The third time it didn't work. And they wonder why. And it's because they forgot to marry the passion with the process as they go through it. And, you know, and, and maintain that
0: curiosity, you know. Mm -hmm. I love it. So what's, uh, what is the best way for people uh, that are listening, all of our, our listeners, to, to get in contact with you, to follow the story if they are interested in working with the Bolt Group or maybe even getting on the waiting list? I don't know what it's like to get in there these days. Uh, but what's the best way to, to follow the, uh, the Bolt story? Well, we are accepting clients. <laughs> uh, uh, qualified clients, that
1: is. Uh, no, you know, come see us. We're boltgroup.com, B-O-L-T-G-R-O-U-P.com. Um, and you can get in touch with me. I'm not afraid. It's Jamie, J-A-M-E-Y at boltgroup.com. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it, we're, um, uh, we're here. We've been here for, like I said, it'll, in August, uh, it'll be 35 years, which we're hoping to do something a little special about that. Uh, we're getting, uh, we're getting, uh, our clients have been national and international in scale and, and over the 35 years, Unfortunately, most of them have not been in the Charlotte area. And um, in the last couple of years, Monty and Edna have made a um, conscientious effort that it's time for us to, you know, rebuild this beachhead here because there's so much positive happening here in the Charlotte region. There's so many good things happening. We want to help that. We want to be an asset to this region. When a honeywell comes into the marketplace and they go, "You know, I'm going to need a design firm, well, you know here we are, we're the i d o of the South, we're right here, you know, or they're thinking about something else coming into the marketplace from an innovation standpoint you know we're the we're in the hub of innovation in South End, and we were there when it was a scary place to be <laughs> you know and and now it's not scary anymore, and we got lots of neighbors uh so yeah, come see us,
0: I love it." Uh, Jamie, thank you so much for, uh, for coming on the podcast. I've enjoyed all the conversations. I enjoyed the tour that you gave me. Uh, everything that you said about the business is true. The employees that you have seem amazing. Uh, the companies that you work with are, are blessed to work with you. And I, I, I think it's a, an awesome story that a lot of people can take to heart and realize that it, like you said, if, if you have something that you're passionate about and you have something that you have a purpose aligned with that, you can really do anything that you want. Uh, and, and who knows? You might get to work with a company like Coca-Cola. You know yeah. what I mean? So uh, you guys, if you are listening uh, to the podcast, please like and comment and share this. Again, thank you, Jamie, so much for joining us on the Brand Builders Podcast. Check out bulkgroup.com. And until next time, we appreciate everybody that listens. And again, thank you, Jamie, so much for, uh, for joining us. Brian Scott, thanks, man. Thank appreciate you, Jamie. It's it a pleasure.